everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. I'm your host, Mark Azzini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. Every two weeks, I connect with PMMs all over the world about a product marketing topic of their choice. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Shira Atkins, co-founder and CRO at Wonder Media Network. While not a product marketer by trade, Shira is well-versed in some of the core product marketing principles, especially storytelling. After beginning her career in digital media, she partnered with a friend who had recently left her own job at Bloomberg to found the Wonder Media Network, where they continue to lead together today. At Wonder Media Network, Shira and her team create podcast series that elevate underrepresented voices so their stories can be told to the masses. They use these stories to inspire action, to promote equality and justice, and introduce empathy into politics, business, and culture. At the same time, they also produce branded podcasts, working with some of the world's biggest brands to assist them with bringing their own stories to market in unique and engaging ways. During our chat, Shira and I dive into the world of podcasting. More specifically, Shira shares her advice on how product marketers can leverage podcasts to help tell their company's stories and connect with a broader audience of customers. She also suggests other ways product marketers can leverage podcasts to tell their company's narrative, promote their brand, acquire new customers, and interestingly, close deals. Before I get into the episode, I've got some exciting news to share from the Product Marketing Alliance. Are you wondering how to align the product marketing function at your organization? Do your internal teams have little or no understanding of what product marketing is and the benefits you bring to the fore? Are you sick of being misunderstood? Product Marketing Alliance's brand new book, Misunderstood, features firsthand knowledge, techniques, and case studies to help you demystify product marketing, elevate the function, and gain the recognition you and fellow PMMs deserve. Learn how to effectively communicate the value you bring to key processes such as positioning, personas, segmentation, OKRs, and gain supplementary intel from the likes of Privy, G2, Hotjar, Intercom, Zendesk, Adobe, and Drift. Misunderstood is packed with takeaways that'll propel the value of your role and the overall importance of the PMM function and isn't to be missed. Get your copy at pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. That's pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. Hey, Shira, how's it going? I'm good. It's good to see you. Likewise. Thanks for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here. So uh, start with the same question I ask all my guests. Uh, it'd be great if you could give our listeners an overview of your career so far and what led you to becoming co-founder and CRO at Wonder Media Network. Uh, sure thing. Um, I I always say that I've had a very circuitous career, which, you know, in retrospect, it's easy to draw lines, but um, I uh, started out in digital media. I helped start a um, yoga and meditation publication when I was straight out of school. And it was an amazing experience. It was just me and like two other people. And then the funder um, who was very passionate about the yoga space. And I was a yoga teacher and like really into that world. Um, it was a crazy first job because in a certain way we had unlimited funding, which was kind of nuts. Um, and, but it got me into the digital media space and I oversaw like tons of freelance writers and producers and artists and photographers and all sorts of things like that. Um, but eventually it like, it felt like I was ready for something different and new. And so I ended up, but I wasn't sure exactly what that was. So I went out on my own and I just started doing brand strategy consulting and digital consulting for folks, helping them with email cadences and websites and things like that. Um, and I was talking to a friend of mine who was working as a reporter at Bloomberg about, you know, what we wanted to do with our lives. And she had this idea to start a podcast about women who are running for the House of Representatives in the 2018 election cycle, very specific. 
And I was really into podcasts, like really, really into it because I had all this time on my hands working for myself. Um, and the space was really just starting to explode around 2018. Um, so she was like, listen, there's a real opportunity in the podcasting ecosystem for content focused on women and underrepresented voices. A lot of the sort of ills that had happened in traditional digital were also happening in podcasting. And she felt that there was this opportunity to write that wrong. And so I was sort of like, I don't know much about this space, but I find it interesting. You're great. Um, and we put a business plan together and wanted to see if we could make it work, just going at it on our own. So it was her job to make the stuff. Um, she had also hosted a podcast at Bloomberg and knew about the whole production experience. And I had, you know, background in marketing and digital, um, had to teach myself sales, um, which is now basically my primary job is uh, sales and biz dev. Um, so, yeah, it's been, as I said, kind of circuitous, but amazing to be able to work with one of my best friends from college. Um, and we're now a team of 30 people, which is pretty amazing. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it's always great to hear, you know, people taking their passions, whether it's, you know, like you said, yoga at the beginning of your career, um, which then evolved into podcasting and kind of make a go of it. Um, I don't think anybody in product marketing, well, maybe that's changed now, but, you know, set out after finishing school or whatever it might be and be like, yeah, like product marketing, that's what my whole life is going to be out. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, I like that kind of story of people coming in with, you know, I'm going to make a go of this thing that I really, really care about. And I think it shows in the quality of the work. And, you know, I've, uh, you know, I had a chance to listen to a couple of, of the shows that, uh, the network produces, and you can just tell that, um, you know, I'm sure the passion for co podcasting comes through, not just from yourself, but in everybody working on the show. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that kind of story with us. Um, and I, I want to dive a little bit deeper. You mentioned earlier that you, you've, you know, you've always been a big fan of podcasts. I'm curious, what was it about podcasts or podcasting in general that, drove you to, you know, starting your own podcast focused media network? Yeah. I mean, I, when I first started listening to podcasts, being outside of the industry, I was just enamored by the immersive storytelling. I was also so excited to be able to multitask and be able to like listen and learn new things while I was making dinner or doing dishes. It was like a different life stage. You know, I was single at the time and like, I would bike around New York city and like listen to economics podcasts or cooking podcasts or whatever it was. Um, I had a friend who, who joked once that when cereal came out, she would play this game on the subway where she would look around and guess based on, for people that were wearing headphones, she would try to guess where they were in the story based on their facial reactions. <laughs> like this idea that there was just like a ubiquitous hit that people were listening to and getting absorbed by. Um, and, you know, like with all new media, there's something sort of transportive about um, content that moves you in new form. Um, and, you know, everyone talks about how audio is so intimate, which it totally is. Um, but I liked that there was a sort of lower barrier to entry since I had worked a lot on video as well. Um, and this way in which still to this day, it's somewhat democratized, like it is easy for anyone to make a podcast um, about, you know, niche areas like product marketing, for example, like, that's how amazing is that? And that it's all sort of served in the same way on the same platforms. Um, so yeah, there were both business and personal reasons that I was drawn to it. And also just new the fact that it was this new medium that was sort of exploding was super exciting. Yeah. I was going to actually follow up with something that you just mentioned there. 
this idea of it being democratized, as you said, and I, I would imagine that's probably played so much into why some of the shows that you know, the network has produced have been so successful because they're, again, as you said earlier, um, able to allow underrepresented voices to put compelling stories together and share their perspectives and opinions in a way that I think your average person probably wouldn't have been exposed to. You know, we all grow up in our bubbles. We're all exposed to, you know, a small group of people every day, maybe some uh, more so than others. Um, and I, you know, one of the things I personally enjoy about podcasting is the ability to, to meet and hear from new people. Um, and these longer form conversations, I think, are so powerful in allowing people to express themselves that, you know, writing a blog post or putting a very sharp, you know, two to five minute video, um, you just can't deliver on. So I'm, I'm right there with you. And, and again, the diversity of the stories that you've been able to tell through the network, I think just further reinforces that idea of anyone can pick up a podcast or start a podcast um, and get their story out there, which is so powerful. Yeah, definitely. And I will say like, it is as the space has professionalized, um, anyone can start a podcast, but it is much, much harder now to get an audience, um, both because the platforms now also are distributing their own content and therefore prioritizing it. Um, but also there is just so much content. And once you get to the tipping point in which it's not like, oh, there's this handful, there's just like a handful of true crime podcasts to there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands. Um, of course, like the flywheel that causes any media to rise to the top um, con continues in the podcasting ecosystem. And it's not like YouTube in which, you know, creator led content is there's an algorithm that drives you to different creator led content in podcasting. You're sort of reliant on the platforms to promote you and cross promotions that happen amongst podcasts that are typically more professionalized than indie. So the barrier to entry is still low, but the barrier to finding audience is extremely high. And so it has changed the, the tenor has changed even since we started the business yeah you're absolutely right once things any type of new media kicks off you know it's not too long before the the big players in this in these spaces jump on it and start investing heavily and you know it's a perfect segue into my next question here um you know i think we've all seen companies like spotify and amazon invest quite heavily in the podcasting space and at the same time a lot of consumer or even you know b2b brands have also launched their own podcasts so from someone who's in that space and lives and breathes it every day i think it'd be great if you could help our listeners understand the value in doing branded podcasts specifically yeah so I think the value in branded podcasts is similar to the value in any branded content. Um, the question of why podcast must be asked, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more of like, how should you actually go about starting a podcast if you're a brand, but brands that create content rather than ads are brands that are going to connect better with people. So like, what's the story that you're trying to tell? What's the meta narrative that's going to be buzzworthy or tap into the zeitgeist or get people to care? Um, that's not necessarily going to be a story about here's why our brand is so great. And that's not what a good branded podcast ever looks like. It's telling some great story that happens to have some sort of synergy with the brand itself. Um, so again, this changes if it's B2B or B2C and uh, We'll get into that more too in a second. Um, but audio is this, as I said, amazing immersive medium. And also it's just like part of the way that people listen to content. So like if you're a big brand and you're trying to reach people, you should definitely have video. You should definitely have social. You should definitely have email marketing. 
and you should definitely have a podcast. It's just, it has to be a part of the mix at this point. Yeah, I could agree with you more. It definitely feels like podcasting has become one of those just expected channels for brands to, as you said, tell a story that connects with their customers, um, not necessarily just selling themselves, but putting out content in a way that resonates beyond just the products and services that those companies are trying to sell. So yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there. Um, and again, perfect segue to my next question. You mentioned earlier that I think a lot of people think it's it might be easy to, to start up their own podcast or get into podcasting. And it is in a way, you know, anybody can go out and start recording directly from their phone or their, or their laptop. Um, but I think there's a perception amongst um, leaders within organizations, whether it's the CEO, whether it's, you know, the head of marketing, uh, that anybody can, you know, go start a podcast. It should be easy. We, you know, our company wants a podcast, go make it happen. And, and sometimes that does fall on uh, product marketing, especially if there is no dedicated content team, or if it's a small group of marketers working very closely together. And I'm curious then, where do you suggest a product marketer start if they're asked to, to launch a podcast for their respective company? Um, you know, is it really as simple as their superiors or colleagues might think it is? Uh, it's never as simple as their superiors or colleagues think it is. None of this work is ever simple. Um, I mean, I will say there's a way to check the box that is simple. Um, but it's not, this is now a medium where you can't just check the box and have it be successful. So if what a superior is requiring is we need some audio content that we could drive people for. So we can put a little widget on our website and say that we have audio and they're fine. They're serviceable. It gets the message across. Okay. Like it's good to know when status quo is enough. Um, but in terms of where to start, if you're trying to do more than that, I think the first thing is to figure out what the budget is and then to figure out what the stories are um, that you want to tell and who the target audience is. Because again, like audio is, is a medium that is listened to by more educated, more affluent folks. Um, so, you know, who is the target audience? When are they typically listening to shows? What else is on the shelf? Like thinking about what else your audience is listening to. Um, and Answering all of those questions from the outset can help set up what the actual structure of the show should be. Should it be interview style? Should it be narrative style? Should it be always on? Should it be seasonal? Um, so many of these questions must be answered from the outset because consistency and setting expectations is really important. Um, and again, knowing like how many, re how, how much resource has to go into this, because again, like saying that you're going to do an always on interview style show is not easy. Um, it's like every week you got to put out another episode and like you know that Tuesday night will roll around and you're like oh fuck I have to get an interview together to put out tomorrow so um yeah I think just like being realistic about expectations as you would with any project yes that feeling you just described is definitely one that I have <laughs> felt before so yes, uh, <laughs> being aware of the cadence of releases is definitely very important especially as you're starting something for the first time and you mentioned earlier you know, obviously, you know, podcast podcasting has exploded, as we said, and there's more and more, um, you know, brands looking to get into the space and it's, it's so crowded. So one of the questions, I, I'm, you know, how, how someone would go about answering this is like, what does success look like, right? Like, mm -hmm. how would someone in product marketing working with a content team or working independently, go back to their superior or their colleagues and say, hey, we are going to do this and we want to achieve this result? Where do you even begin? Is it just purely how many downloads and listens are getting to? Is it 
is, should they be considering how they're connecting that content generation back to the funnel and ultimately to conversions? Just curious, you know, when you've had conversations with some of the brands that your network has partnered with, how success is defined? Totally. So both of the ways that you mentioned are certainly ways that we track success. Um, you know, impressions, the number of downloads, tying back to the funnel, making sure that this is something that can draw people into the funnel, making sure that it's a part of the email cadence that exists, you know, putting together a landing page. That's all true. Um, one other way that I've seen brands do this, and this is a, a good example is, um, we work with the trade desk on their branded podcast is they will invite prospective clients to be guests on the podcast. And it's a way to deepen the relationship. And I think that that's awesome. Um, we also make the, similarly, we make the podcast for greenhouse, the, um, job software, um, or the HR recruiting software. And they too will bring in um, either existing clients or prospective clients. Um, they, in some episodes, will bring in two people from an organization and sometimes they'll just bring one more per person from the organization. So that, like, that's an interesting tool. Um, and then I would also say like the same way that podcasting writ large is now a breeding ground for entertainment, for IP generation and dabbling, like that can also be the case for companies that are trying to tell a mega narrative. So, um, you know, if Pepsi is wants to work on, you know, Pepsi is notoriously puts out like a lot of really, really great content. Um, and they want to put a docu-series together, but they're like not sure yet. And they want to test some sort of storyline, like podcasting could be the way to go. So, and then lastly, I would say it's a way for brands to align with personalities. Um, so, you know, are there personalities within the podcasting space that they want to be influencers for their brand? And this is the right way to get to their audiences. Um, you know, you could have that podcaster or influencer create a show for you in, in the podcast universe. I, thank you for that. Cause uh, you just mentioned a couple of things that I would have never considered. So uh, I think super helpful, not just to myself, but anybody listening, that idea of bringing on, you know, recently acquired or potential clients, I think is fantastic. Um, I think that's such a smart thing to do. Um, you know, and uh, somewhat related, I've also noted some of the bigger B2B brands that are kind of in my world or the, the space that I operate in launch their own podcast networks, um, you know, going out and forming partnerships with existing, um, content creators and, and podcasters, or, you know, maybe even just acquiring the content that they're creating, uh, right straight out. What is that approach typically allow that B2B brand to do that? They otherwise wouldn't, if they just launched a single podcast on their own, what do you think the kind of play that they're going for is there? Um, I mean, it depends. It, it obviously depends on who we're talking about here, but, um, you know, one of the things that that LinkedIn has done, for example, recently, that's interesting is they've developed a podcasting network and they've basically found, as you know, they're leaning into their, their influencers, the way that you can like follow influencers, they start their own newsletters, et cetera. They are becoming their own media company. So they've identified folks that are really active on the platform that have lots of followers who have podcasts and now they own their podcasts. And they become like, you know, the foot soldiers for LinkedIn, which is really powerful because it's already a great brand. Um, and also they control the distribution. So I'm sure eventually we're going to figure out how we're going to all listen to podcasts on LinkedIn as well. Um, so I think it's like also just the power of partnership. 
Um, and again, figuring out is this a marketing mechanism or a sales mechanism? What are the ultimate goals? And and how are you going to make sure that if you are creating a network, you're figuring out how to cross collaborate across the different shows, and it's not just um, a bunch of folks that are like loosely tied together by some parent brand. Yeah, I actually hadn't heard of the the LinkedIn uh, network, so I'll keep a close eye on that one. I was had seen recently companies like Clue. I know launched the Compete Network. I believe mm-hmm. it's called. Um, I know HubSpot has their own kind of network of marketing-oriented yeah. podcasts. So I, I think it makes sense because they're, you know, going out and working with partners that are really seen, as you said, like influencers and thought leaders in that space to then align their own brands with that idea of thought leadership and framing an opinion on how things within either competitive intelligence or general marketing should be done. So I can see the yeah. value in doing that there for that reason as well. Totally. It's also sort of like thinking about content as a service, which is, I know, something that that product marketers can think about a lot is like HubSpot, for example, part of their promise is in their ability to provide really great resources to people on how to do, on how to do various pieces of your marketing puzzle. Um, and so if they are doing the work on our behalf of scouring the internet, finding the best possible like marketing podcasts and then bringing them a network, it's basically saying like, okay, they've got our stamp of approval. And now you don't have to just search marketing and Apple podcasts and hope something good comes up because it's got a shitty algorithm. And instead they do that work for us. So it's been, it's good for the uh, marketers that are now part of their network. It's good for their potential clients. It's good for them. Um, And then, you know, presumably it also will help them with downloads. Absolutely. So let's just shift gears ever so slightly here. So assuming, again, I'm a product marketer working at my company, I've been asked to launch the company's Mm -hmm. podcast. And, you know, I'm not part of a broader uh, a network, and I'm doing this on my own. How do you recommend a product marketer should explore ways to stand out? Like we've all, you know, said before, very crowded space. Is there anything that a product marketer can do either at the outset or after, you know, they've kind of got their feet under them to kind of cut through that the noise and, and have their podcast stand out? Yes, definitely. Um, and you know, the advice that I'll give now is definitely broad. So if people have questions, obviously follow up with me. Um, but having a good host is the number one, most important thing with podcasts. Like the host needs to be likable, approachable. They need to have their own audiences outside of the podcast. Um, that they can leverage to bring in. Um, but they should be charismatic and they should be excited and they should have a great network. Um, that will help you stand out. I think most importantly, the podcast cannot be called the X podcast, like the insert company name here podcast. Um, and it can't be your CEO talking to other people who he thinks or she thinks is interesting about things that they think are interesting. Like that no longer will cut it. Um, it needs to be highly specific, the more niche, the better. Um, and it needs to be, it needs to be something that does that like provides a service that otherwise doesn't exist. Um, I think, you know, lastly, this is maybe sounds silly, but like the art can't be bad. It can't just be like your company logo. Um, because literally when you think about the, the medium, even though it's an auditory one, the way people are still finding the content is through other channel channels. It's all mediated by other channels. Um, and so having really great art assets is super important. Um, but like really the thing is going to be find a story that's super cool that needs to be told that other people want to talk about. Um, cause that will be what ultimately draws like listeners in. I think that's solid advice. Uh, you know, and I think 
the old adage of don't judge a book by its cover, I think it has kind of fallen apart when it comes to podcasting because I know I'm someone that will scroll through Apple Podcasts and just like, okay, this cover art looks visually appealing. Let's check it out. Maybe <laughs> give it the first episode or two a listen. Uh, so yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It, it's funny how for such an audio-based audio, uh, medium, how important the visuals are uh, in, in drawing, especially new listeners in for the first time. Totally. It's so ironic, especially given that it's this tiny little art. Um, you know, like we work with our designer and of course, like on a big screen, we're like analyzing the subtleties of the pink or of the contours of the color, or whatever. And then like, ultimately it's like this tiny little square that no one really <laughs> even is paying that much attention to until they do, or it's the thing that stands out and it, it all makes a difference. But I think it's easy for someone to look at, even if it, the image is really small on their phone, uh, you know, the the art for a show and, and know what good looks like and, and what bad yes. looks like. So you're right. Like the importance of having <laughs> something that visually looks appealing is critical, even if you're not necessarily getting the nuance of the design at a, at a very granular scale. Um, so so again, shifting gears ever so slightly again, if a product marketer doesn't feel as though the company's ready or they're not ready to take on the task of launching the company's podcast. What other options should a product marketer consider in getting their company's message and story out through podcasting? Yes, this is a great question. And I wish more brands would ask this um, once and if they decide that a branded podcast is not, not right for them. And honestly, it's the kind of thing that I try to push just broadly. Like it's a there are other ways to dip your toes into the space beyond launching a podcast. Um, the best way is to figure out shows that are truly aligned, that have the right audiences for the product marketer. So um, especially in the B2B space, like this is really easy to figure out. It's like, like what is the, what is the industry that we're talking about? <laughs> if it's the healthcare industry, what shows do doctors listen to? This isn't like shows about science. This isn't like shows about the medical system. This is like, what shows do doctors listen to? Do a survey, figure it out. Like there are shows, um, reach out to those hosts and develop sponsorship, partnership, content integrations. Um, whether those are 30 second, 60 second ad spots, or those are fully sponsored bonus episodes, or those are segments within a show or those are, you know, this particular podcaster does live events and you want to start there. Like these, these niche audiences are so passionate about the shows that they listen to and um, knowing where there's already audience, really figuring that out. Um, you know, the other thing that we've even seen done is like figure out how to partner with podcasters to survey their audience or send them stuff outside of just like an audio ad. Um, especially for a lot of the early adopters in the space, they have newsletters, they know who their audience is. There are Facebook groups, there are Slack groups, like there's ways to get connected beyond just the podcast ad and not knowing if it's heard or listened to or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge advocate for like super integrated sponsorships. And also it's really good for the space because it supports the space and it supports these indie podcasters. I think that's fantastic advice. And, and I'm curious, how would you recommend if someone listening does decide, hey, I think it'd be great if our you know, CEO or CMO could be a guest on another show because you know we know that customers within our you know ICP are listening to this show. Um, how would you recommend they approach that without just feeling like they're going on to, to sell their product? Is there something that the guest should keep in mind or the product marketer maybe coaching the guest should keep in mind and try and encourage the guest to, to speak to beyond, like I said, just selling you know their, their service or software? Yeah. So for that, I would actually think more about 
hiring like a good PR team, thinking about that as PR, as opposed to straight sponsorship or marketing. Um, because that's all about like finding the right angle on the right story for a CEO or an executive. Um, there are so many pay to play podcasts right now. It's sort of sickening. Um, and like any medium that has been adulterated like this too, it's like, I don't think it's even that effective anymore to do pay to play spots. Um, unless it's true partnership. It's like, we're going to do a mini series on this show about this particular issue. And to help us do that, we're sponsored by X brand and the CEO is going to help us unpack this. And again, it's like net, net value, net positive for the listener. Um, that's a great integration, much better than like, as you suggested, like, you know, a CEO coming on and just sort of selling their product, which everyone's going to see right through and no one's going to want to listen to. Um, so yeah, it all comes back to like what the goals are and where the audience is. Yeah. And as someone who has received more offers to have guests on their show than, than I can admit, um, the guests that come to me with a unique story or with a value, as you said, that aligns exactly with product marketers that listen to the show, I'm much more inclined to hear them out than someone just coming in and saying, Hey, you know, I noticed that your product marketing life podcast is one of the top rated product marketing podcasts. It'd be great if, you know, CEO or founder of, of our company could come in and talk about how our product is helped product marketers. Like there needs to be to right. your point, like understanding the value of the listener in the same way that a product marketer needs to know the values to their customer. Right. Right. Um, so I, I think that's fantastic advice and something that, um, yeah, definitely any product marketer looking to go down the road of podcasting needs to keep it top of mind. It's like, what is the value to your listener? Assuming that the listener is your customer at the end of the day. Totally. Yeah. And obviously this is a little meta, but it's like, yeah, it would be psyched if any of your listeners were like, yeah, we want to make a branded podcast. And it sounds like Shira knows what she's doing. Like that would be amazing. But I also am in the business of trying to make sure that um, more brands don't get into the space, not knowing what they do, and then feel really bummed out about the podcasting ecosystem and decide not to put any dollars there. Like this industry is still so small and so nascent. And there is still very much a feeling of like rising tide lifts all boats. And so it doesn't matter if you're me or Connell Byrne, the CEO of iHeart, like we go out there and we're like still trying to explain to people why should you have a podcast? Where do you listen to a podcast? What even is a podcast? Um, and so, so yes, like I'm, I'm excited to be out here, obviously like talking about our work and what we do, but more importantly, like it's a conversation, we're having a conversation about the industry and the direction of the industry. And that's so much more interesting, I'm sure to your listeners than me being like, here are our core capabilities. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and to your point, it is still such a nascent space. It's kind of like the wild, wild west in a lot of ways. And it's important, I think, when you're navigating that to have someone who's experienced or knows what they're doing. And I think, you know, what you're doing with, with the Wonder Media Network and, and just, again, if someone is looking to learn more, to have an expert like yourself to lean into and, and to ask questions to, uh, I think that can only make the end product that much more powerful and resonate much that much more with the listeners. So yeah, like you said, you know, this, our, our conversation today wasn't based on the premise of <laughs> you coming on and, and selling network, but I think the way that you've been able to speak to the value of podcasting just demonstrates that if you want to go down this road, speak to an expert first. Like it, it's, it's helpful to, to have someone who's been there, done that, who knows the space as intimately as you do, um, ask questions that, you know, again, someone who's hosted a podcast like myself for the past year or so, uh, would have never thought of asking. Um, so yeah, I, I think people like yourself, um, are great resources to, to reach out to and ask for guidance for any product marketer listening, who's thinking about exploring the, the, the podcasting space for sure. 
Yeah. I, I will say I get like 10 solicitations a day of folks that are like, you know, pay us $10,000 a month and we'll get you on all these podcasts. And it's like, no, absolutely not. Like it's awesome. There's no worse way to like waste your CEO's time than to get them to be guests on a random podcast. You really need to like vet them, understand that the audience is there um, and make sure it's not someone's like garage where they're just doing this for fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned this uh, at the onset of our conversation, and I want to go back to it and dig in a little bit deeper here. But we talked about, you know, things that product marketers supporting a B2B versus a B2C brand might want to consider when starting a a podcast uh, for themselves or for their company. Uh, What are those kind of important things to keep in mind and how the approach might differ between, again, coming from a B2B angle versus a B2C one? Mm, Definitely. So... Most of the branded podcasts that we create are for B2B brands. So like, you know, our biggest customer, I mean, this is maybe a cop-out answer, but our biggest customer is Pfizer. We've been making their podcasts for like three years. Um, The reason it might be a cop-out answer is because like really what they're trying to do with their podcasts is previously pre-COVID, like create a really great image. Now it's maintain a great image in the public eye. Um, And so they're just putting out content that like, makes Pfizer looks good, makes Pfizer look good. It makes folks that work at Moderna and Novartis think like, oh wow, Pfizer's awesome. It helps them with recruitment. It helps them with pushing forward research. And they tell stories about how they've changed patients' lives. And like that's all amazing. It's good for the trade publications. Um, but they're not trying to acquire listeners or sorry, acquire customers like for specific drugs. Um, the trade desk example that I mentioned, totally B2B. It's like they are bringing in potential clients and existing clients and telling their stories of, again, and not how do they use the trade desk, but like, tell us about your experience in digital media. Like, you know, what are you guys working on right now as a company? Um, what has been your unique approach to media buying? Um, so of course it's like in the arena, um, but it's not, it's not, here's why you should use our products. Um, And I think that those are all best practices because it's not like this is commercially viable, sexy content. It's not like, you know, we're telling a true crime story. Um, But it's like, if someone goes to listen to a Pfizer trade desk podcast, it's like they're they're expecting to hear a certain like type of content, um, also quality of content, and that's what they're going to get. So it's also like when I said previously that podcasting needs to be a a part of the marketing mix. It's like a way to brand sonically. (laughs) Like someone needs to look at your LinkedIn um, as a brand or look at your website and like see colors that reflect the brand and see like content that reflects the band. Same thing in audio. Like this is a way of checking the box. That's not um, just letting it happen. It's like we are cultivating an audio version of our brand. Um, So again, this is all thinking about B2B. For B2C, like, this is where a lot of brands just, like, buy ads. (laughs) They, like, they want to find their audience who can buy the product. Um, They want to use, like, very clear call to actions. They want to create trackable, you know, trackable content. They're, you know, adding pixels into their ads. Um, the, The CTAs have offer codes, et cetera. That all works if you can find the right audience. Um... There are also B2C brands that I think should create standalone branded podcasts, but it it should be pretty specific. There was actually um, 
podcast that I'm so in love with right now. It's called The Legacy of Speed. It was just put out by Pushkin, which is um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's company. Uh, he's like really into track and field. He's like a big time runner. And there's this, brand, I'm forgetting the name of the brand, which maybe proves the opposite point. It's just not working. But they created this branded podcast with Malcolm that Malcolm hosts, where he tells the story of this amazing track and field coach and like his team over the past 40 years or something. And it's just beautiful storytelling, gorgeously created. And there are these integrated branded segments where the CEO of the company comes in and talks about like how he feels about the story. And it's like, I don't even remember the name of the brand. I just remember this story. But my guess is that if I were a track and field athlete, I would 100% remember the name of the brand and I would be buying their product. So there's a way to do all of this. It's like tasteful. Um, in any event, I think quality matters most, um, quality and audience. Yeah. And you mentioned this earlier. It's important to understand where podcasting fits, as you said, in that marketing mix. Are you getting into podcasting so that you can, you know, drive conversions, drive, you know, traffic to your landing page, like whatever that might be, or are you doing it for a, you know, positive brand association, as it sounds like the company that you just mentioned is, um, I mean, obviously they're trying to, to sell their product because they're in the B2C space, but still there right. is that additional effect of having that positive brand lift and association of being, uh, you know, a company that cares so much about, again, in the example that you provided the track and field space. And, uh, and again, we mentioned earlier, this idea of having thought leadership in the industry and kind of having that positive presence. So it's important, I think, just to reiterate understanding where podcasting fits in that marketing mix and being clear that at the end of the day, especially if you're B2B, you know, you might not see your revenue increase by X percent, you know, a month after you launched the pro, uh, your podcast. Um, but you likely will see those positive brand associations that you otherwise wouldn't have had, had you not launched the show. So, um, yeah, I think it's just important to reiterate, to re reiterate answering that question of, you know, why are we doing this? Where does this fit into our marketing mix? Yeah, it's it seems so simple to us, but you would be surprised how many conversations I just start with or like kick off. It's like we've already sold something. We're starting with the discovery phase. Sit down, have an hour and a half kickoff. It's like, okay, like, what are your goals? <laughs> and like that takes up the whole time. Just like def right. once again, defining the goals and defining the target audience. That's everything. And then like the content will come and the strategy will come. But like, this is this is going to be a helpful exercise whether you're creating audio or creating any other form of marketing. Yeah, if there's one thing that marketers in general are very good at, it's finding the shiny new toy to play with and immediately jumping on it. And I think podcasts for the last little while has very much been that very shiny thing. And to your point, you can tell the difference between the companies that have you know worked with experts in the space, like the Wonder Media Networks of, of the world, um, and have been asked those tough questions, and it shows in the quality. And then you see the marketers of the world who haven't been asked those questions or haven't been you know uh, forced to, to to answer those questions, um, and don't really have a, a sense of direction as to why they're doing it. And you know, as you said earlier, it shows in the quality of the production and the host and the story that they're trying to tell. So. Yeah, I, I think that's just the nature of marketing. I'm sure after podcasting, uh, although I, I do strongly believe that podcasting will be around for a long time and, and be a very popular medium, I'm sure something else will come along that will distract marketers and that's where the new thing is going to be. And you're going to get varying degrees of quality there as with anything. But uh, podcasting for, I think right now is very much that thing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, what I like about the podcast ecosystem for brands is that it's not TikTok. Um, like 
I don't think there's really a universe in which TikTok makes sense for B2B product marketing managers. Like it's just, I mean, it's whatever. We could talk about how corrosive it is to society another time, but like podcasting is also long form. Like yeah. it's amazing to be able to have a wrapped audience for like 20 to 30 mini- minutes. I mean, it used to be that podcasts were like the best practice was create an hour long episode. It's not really anymore because like we all have shorter attention spans, but even like having someone listen to you for 30 minutes, it's like unbelievable opportunity for marketers. And in some ways, much easier than trying to figure out like, okay, how do I fit into TikTok, which is going to give me 30 seconds or something like that. Yeah. And I think the beauty of podcasting, and and you again, you said this at the very onset of our conversation and why a lot of people get into podcasting is because you can multitask while listening. And so you, you might not necessarily have a hundred percent of listeners attention, but you probably have more than 60% or more than 50%. Uh, and yeah, how often, uh, if you're thinking from a, from a company's perspective, do you have your customer's attention, even that level of it for more than 10 minutes, 15 minutes at a time, you don't get it with an email. You don't get it with, you know, paid advertising, um, unless you're in, you know, on YouTube or, or on television where you're able to run, you know, 30, but even those like 30, 60 second ads, you're not going to get that kind of quality time with a customer through anything outside of a phone call or an interview and how hard are those yeah. to schedule we all know they're very challenging definitely definitely awesome well Shira, this has been fantastic obviously you know as someone who's been fortunate enough to host this podcast for the past year and a half um i feel like i could keep talking to you forever and i probably could learn a ton from you and your team um and i'm sure our listeners have already but i do want to uh wrap up and i'll ask you the same question that i ask all my guests but slightly different because again you're not coming from product marketing background yourself but i think again the conversation is super relevant to product marketers uh so the question is if you could partner with a brand on creating their own podcast series which would you look to partner with and why do you feel their story needs telling Mm. I mean, like anybody in media, it's like our holy grail is like PNG or Nike or whatever, whatever. Um, but they they don't do the thing that you're asking, which is like, why does their story need telling? Like the thing that those brands I think have done so well is just tell great stories. It's, it does this thing that that I've been referring to, which is like they figure out what great stories exist and they uplift them. And for us, just given our mission um, and our audience it's a dream, um, to be able to do that also as an upstart. Um, but I have to say like, you know, just being a little more granular, I have really loved the work that we've done with Pfizer. Um, I shockingly, cause like it, it's shocking that I'm like into pharma. Um, it's definitely not where my background was definitely not why we started this business. Um, but the ability to tell patient stories, um, work with brands that are extremely well-funded and have time and resource to be able to devote to telling a story start to finish, um, you know, just from a production timeline perspective, like it's really inspiring the teams that I've been able to work with. And I think there are so many stories in that universe that need telling, um, and so many different drug breakthroughs that are fascinating. Um, so I'd love to do more work in that area. But, you know, lastly, I'm dragging, but I'm really into like the case study format. So I think that PR firms should all have podcasts and they should figure out ways to tell about, they should be able to tell like the craziest thing that happened with this this client and how did we solve it from a crisis perspective. Um, That I think would be really fun. There's probably so much red tape around it, but what better like advertisement for a PR firm than like telling the world, how they solved some great story, because I could also picture that being zeitgeisty and not just something that's listened to by executives. 
hundred percent. And I like both of those answers for two reasons. The second one, cause I think that would be entertaining as all hell to listen to PR <laughs> firms, talk through some of those chaos situations. Absolutely. Uh, but I, what I like about, um, highlighting Pfizer is again, like to your point, Pfizer's not a company you immediately think of a company that would create a podcast that people would want to listen to. Right? I think there's obviously a lot of, um, you know, negative connotations around the pharma industry in general, but it sounds like, and again, based on the shows that you've produced with them, that there are some really positive stories that need telling. And again, for product marketers listening to this, who, you know, may have been on the fence about whether or not our product or sorry, a podcast makes sense for them, you know, think about those opportunities that aren't immediately obvious, like just selling your product or, you know, you know, interviewing people in the space, because it seems like something we could do. Like, what are the interesting angles you could take to frame your company in the broader category in a very positive light and make it exciting, make it fun. Like, you know, I, it's funny. I always joke with some of the guests that I've had on in the cybersecurity space, like cybersecurity doesn't sound like the most sexy or exciting <laughs> space, especially if you're in the B2B cybersecurity space. But I guarantee you, there are some interesting stories about, you know, much like the PR example you provided, cybersecurity mishaps, maybe not that the company themselves has had to, has to oversee, <laughs> um, but just in general, that for people and experts in that space would probably love to hear and even non experts, like, I think there'd be some interesting stories there. So, you know, I guess what I'm saying in a roundabout way is as a product marketer, much like we are challenged to think of creative ways to bring products to market and engage with our customers and understand them. We should be challenging ourselves to work with the broader marketing team and the content team to come up with interesting opportunities to tell our story. And I think there are very, there are few better ways of doing that than through podcasting. And I hope our conversation together has, has reinforced that because that's something that I'm walking away from this conversation with for sure. Yeah. Amen. Couldn't have said it better myself. Awesome. Well, this has been great, Shira. Like I said, I feel like you and I could keep talking forever, but I will let you go. But before I do, if anybody listening, you know, like I said, has been assigned launching their company's podcast or exploring the space, what would be the best way for them to reach uh, out to you, ask questions, or maybe even partner with you in a more uh, professional way? Wow, I love this. So it turns out this is fully sponsored by Wonder Media Network. <laughs> um, sure, yes, I would love to hear from people. Um, my email is shira, S-H-I-R-A at wondermedianetwork.com. And I love answering people's emails about this and hopping on calls. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I am certain that at least one person will come away from this conversation wanting to reach out to you because again, <laughs> I think there's so much great um, you know, knowledge you can share. And again, you know, you lived and breathed this for the past several years. And uh, I'm sure anybody listening will, will know, um, and, and leave this conversation feeling like, you know, you're a great person to, to go to for questions around this space. So yeah, I will, uh, we'll wrap up here. And again, I thank you so much for your time today. And I'm sure you will uh, be hearing from a listener very soon. <laughs> Sounds great. Take care. <laughs> for everyone still tuned in. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.